1: Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today.
2: Father, we thank you for that awesome day when you went in on a donkey and people were shouting, Hosanna, as palm leaves were laid before you. As you entered Jerusalem, headed to Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> and we pray in the name of Jesus now that you would use me to preach your word in a way that would bless your name. Free, of, free us from the things of this world. And help us to attune our ears to you. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. We're going to preach a message befitting for the occasion. We want to focus on a message for this unique season that we ought not ever take for granted. I want you to turn your Bibles, open and turn your Bibles to chapter 26, verses 14 through 16, and then verses 47 through 50. Uh, Matthew 26, chapter 26, verses 14 through 16. And then verses 47 through 50. When you find it, say amen. Amen. Good. Then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Now skip down to verses 47 through 50, and the text pick up, saying, And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said greetings rabbi and kissed him but Jesus said to him friend why have you come ah what a powerful passage from this passage we want to preach the subject the kiss of death the kiss of death i believe with all my heart this is the saddest passage in all of scripture because it is a tragic scene where Jesus, the son of God, the king of the universe, the lord of the universe, is betrayed by Judas, one of his own, and sold for 30 measly pieces of silver. And even though Judas's name means praise, I've never met a person named Judas. Judas was chosen by Jesus. He walked with Jesus. Judas was discipled by Jesus. Uh, He was taught by him. He ate with Jesus. He saw the miracles of Jesus, had the responsibility of being the treasurer among the 12, and yet he involves himself in a conspiracy with the chief priests and elders who were the religious leaders who had purpose in their hearts to trap and kill the Savior. After Jesus had poured his life, his time, his ministry, and all that he had to offer into the 12, including Judas, Judas would do such a heinous act. The scripture says in Matthew 26, 47 through 50 in your Bibles, and while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12 with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayal had given them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one Seize him. Immediately, he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and what? Kissed him. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? You see, Judas was used as a pawn in the hands of the religious leaders because they used and manipulated Judas to further their own demonic agenda. The greeting of Judas and calling Jesus rabbi was a facade, it was hypocritical and void of genuineness. Hmm. A kiss in the Jewish culture was a sign of respect. It was a sign of friendship and affection. However, Judas's kiss was a kiss of betrayal. His kiss was a kiss of deception. It was, his kiss was a kiss of death, for it identified and assured that the right person was arrested and would prevent Jesus from slipping away in the night. John 13, 30 says, having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately. And the scripture says, and it was night. Let me tell you something. Everybody that's smiling in your face is not really affectionate towards you. And just because they kiss you and hug you and smile don't mean they have your heart. We see one here whose name is Judas. He acknowledged uh, the title of Jesus called him rabbi, teacher, greetings, but that greeting was, was void of substance. It was not genuine, and uh, he had a devilish agenda. And uh, the scripture said that what was done was done in the night. It's amazing how much evil is carried on in the night. Some folk don't begin to, put, to get their uh, groove on until in the evening and in the night. And uh, it, it's amazing how much satanic things are done and how many people lose their lives in the night because they won't go home or they're where they ought not be, and, and, and they lose their lives in the dark. According to Matthew twenty-six sixteen, 16, Judas sought opportunity to betray Jesus, looking for an opportunity. This is the greatest betrayal, not only in all of Scripture, but in all of history doesn't matter how much you've been betrayed or who have betrayed you. No betrayal uh, compares with the betrayal that our Lord and Savior uh, had to deal with. And so with that being said, how could Judas do such a diabolical deed? How could this man who'd been with Jesus for three years, chosen by Jesus, called by Jesus, heard the teachings of Jesus, uh, slept with Jesus, ate with Jesus, fellowship with Jesus, saw the miracles of Jesus. How could Judas do such a diabolical deed? Number one, because the scripture says in Luke 22:3, 20, then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. Beloved, when the devil gets into anyone, nothing is too low down for him or her to do. I don't care how pretty a person is, how handsome they are, how much money they, they have, or how poor they are. The devil is capable of getting in any of us. That's right. And, uh, and when the devil gets in you, nothing is too low down for you to do. The scripture says, Satan entered Judas. And when Satan enters you, let me tell you something. You do things you never thought you could do. You act ways you never thought you could act. Satan will drive you crazy. Drive you crazy. How could Judas do this diabolical deed? Judas did what he did because of greed and the love of money. You know, he did it for greed and the love of money. Uh, In the text, in verse 15, 26, 15, look what it says. And 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 he said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. Isn't that something? For money, for money, for money. Oh my goodness, Jesus Judas did what he did because of greed and the love of money. He sold his soul. And lost the opportunity to receive the greatest gift in human history. And I'm going to tell you something. Not, money is not the root of all evil, it's the love of it. Amen. And, uh, and, uh, and we see here he loved money and saw what the love of money did. He sold the Savior. And when he sold the Savior, he was selling and damning his own soul. This passage also puts on display the veracity of Scripture, the reliability of Scripture, the truthfulness of Scripture. The damnable deed of Judas was prophesied and came to pass with 100% accuracy. In Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 and 13, it says, Then I said to them, If it is agreeable to you, give me my wages, and if not, uh, refrain so they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. Verse 13, and the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, that priceless price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. You see here, Zechariah prophesying about what Judah would do as we are reading in the book of Matthew. Let me tell you something, even though it was prophesied that Judas would betray Jesus in a number of passages in the Old Testament, it was Judas' own free choice and his own free will to do what he did, even though he prophesied. Many say, well, uh, because it was prophesied, uh, uh, he had no choice. No, Scripture knew what he would do. And, and just foretold, but that did not negate the fact of his own free will. My friend, it is impossible to live this life and not experience betrayal. Impossible. Sooner or later, you will be betrayed. How many of you have been betrayed before? Let me see your hand too. from one degree. I'll raise both my hand and both my feet, too. Uh, you can't live this life and not experience betrayal. Sooner or later, you shall, not might, you shall be betrayed. So, with that being said, what is betrayal? What is it? It is to sell out. It is is to be deceived. It is to be abandoned by the person you thought who loved you most. It, It is to experience unfaithfulness, as many experience in marriages because of adultery and infidelity. All of that's betrayal. A betrayal is a person who is a traitor. Betrayal is to violate confidence by disclosing a secret. That's why you ought to be careful how much you tell folk, because a friend today can be an enemy tomorrow. To betray is to deliver up as Judas delivered up Jesus in the hand of the elders and the chief priests and the religious leaders who conspired to kill God. And this can clearly be seen in the account of Judas' betrayal of Jesus. Before we become too hard on Judas, we must be mindful that all of us at one time or another in our Christian lives have demonstrated Judas-like qualities in betrayal. All of us, to one degree or another, not to the extent of Judas, but to some degree we all in our Christian walk have experienced Uh, some Judas-like qualities. So the question is, how do we betray Christ? How do we betray him? How many of you know you betrayed him and don't even realize you betrayed him? You have. How how do you know when you betray Christ? How do we betray Christ? Number one, we betray Christ when we, in breach of his trust, violate our allegiance to him. We betray Christ when we, in breach of his trust, violate our allegiance to him. Luke nine sixty two. Luke nine sixty two says, but Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. I mean, you come to Christ and say, I'm going to live Christ, I'm going to serve Christ, and I, uh, Christ has changed my life, and then you do things that break the heart of God. That is nothing similar to the commitments you made when you first came to Christ. In other words, we must have an undivided allegiance to Christ. We cannot have our foot in the, in the devil camp and the Lord's camp at the same time. You can't be in the church and the clubhouse and, and the strip clubs and, and the pornography on the Internet and all this other stuff. Doing drugs. And then on Sunday, you're saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's a form of betrayal. Uh, We betray Christ. When you profess Christ, come to church and worship him while living in blatant sin. You come here and you sing songs, you shout, you wave your hand, you say amen, you look spiritual, you jump and shout. Jesus is not concerned about how how you jump, but rather he's concerned about how you walk when you land. And to come to church and, and worship God, And knowing that you are blatantly living in sin is a form of what? Betrayal. Uh, Number three, how do we betray Christ? Christ is betrayed when God has blessed you with his presence, his protection and provision. And you respond by making flimsy excuses for robbing God and not tithing the first part of your income through the glory of God. We betray him. How much does salvation cost? It costs Christ everything. But all we have to do is trust him by faith and live a life that's exemplary before God and man. But if we had to pay for salvation ourselves, if we, if we had to pay for God's presence, if we had to pay for God's protection, I mean, you know, God has protected you. I mean, you experience God protection coming from your house to this church, the sanctuary today. You experience God protection in the night when you're asleep unconscious and God protection. You, you experience God's protection when you're flying in airplanes and all of these things. If you had to pay for protection or if you had to pay for provision, the provisions of God for hot water and cold water and, and, and pay, pay for water period, you know, paying, I'm talking about paying for, if you had to pay for the aquifer and paying for all this, stuff. you're talking about my little water bill, I'm just talking about water period. If you had to pay for rain, What what would that be if you had to pay for sunshine? If you had to pay if you had to pay to breathe, and, and it goes on and on, and many respond to God after all He has done for them by making whimsical, flimsy excuses and robbing God and not giving Him the first and the best portion off the top. Instead, we betray Him and give Him the leftovers. After we have bought and bought and bought for ourselves. Number four, how do we betray betray God? When we are given a great opportunity to witness for Christ and we keep our mouth shut. When God is prompting us to speak up for him, that is silent betrayal. How many of you have betrayed God silently? I raise my hand. If If you don't raise your hand, you're lying. You say, yeah, you're lying. Because there have been opportunities you've had where you know you should have shared Jesus with a particular person. And when that moment w- and time went by, the Holy Ghost convicted your heart, and you said, you know, I should have said something about Jesus to that person. Is that Have that been you? A waiter or uh, somebody attendant on a plane or in the doctor's office, a nurse, a nurse, uh, or just a neighbor, uh, uh, a stranger. And God was saying, talk to talk." to them about me and and you let that opportunity pass and your conscience is stricken with conviction because we had become a silent betrayer. And you know what? When God tells us, listen to me closely. Are y'all listening? When God tells us to witness and we refuse to witness for whatever reason, do you realize their blood is on your hands? That's why I preach so hard every Sunday, and that's why I show up as many Sundays as I can. I'm hardly ever absent. I'm absent now and then, seldom, because I want to preach the hell out of folk, and I want to see folk go to heaven. Won't you say amen? Amen. Amen. I preach so hard because when I stand before God, I don't want any of your blood on my hands because I didn't preach the truth to you. People say I get offended. People say, well, I, I got offended what you said. I say Good. I mean, you ask yourself, why did I get offended? The issue wasn't me, it was you. You got the problem, I don't. I just said what, what God told me to say. Now you got a problem with what I say, call up heaven. Call up heaven. People, people tell me they're offended, I preach, that turns me on. That turns me, no, oh, don't ever tell me you offended. Oh, don't tell me, you wanna get me going. Woo, I preach myself crazy. You say, "Man, I might slow down." <laughs> oh my goodness! So silent betrayers. You with a group of friends, you're on your co, your, your coworker, and they just start eating. You, you know, you're supposed to bless your food. You can't even bow your head, or oh, you, mm, mm. you just, you just one of the fastest prayer. It was Jesus. Well, couldn't go that fast. I mean, uh, silent betrayers, tremendous opportunities to share the message of hope and grace and love and salvation. And listen, salvation is not just for black folk. God wants you to witness to some white folk, and Hispanic folks. And, a, amen. And folk don't know who they are. Young folk, old folk, children, all oh, are in need of Christ. The gospel is for everybody. It transcends culture, transcends race. Everybody needs the Lord. You see, uh, how do we betray our Lord? Uh, Number five, we betray Christ when we cry out for God's help and mercy, then make promises in the midst of crisis only to renege on those promises once God delivers us. Have you ever been in a position... Maybe you created your mess, or uh, maybe you found yourself in circumstances beyond your control, or uh, perhaps you were on an operating table, or perhaps you had some sickness. And, oh God, if you heal me, I'm gonna serve you. I'm going to get in a choir. I'm going to come to Bible study. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to serve you. Oh, God, if you move this pain, I'm going to give you the best I got. Oh, if you save my husband or save my child. Oh, God. I mean, and then when God comes through on your back, oh, God, if you clean up my debt, if you deliver me out of this, I, oh, God, I, I'll i give you the tithe. If you just give me this job, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to bless you. And then God comes through on your behalf, and you forget the promise you made to God in crisis. You reneged on God, and you betrayed him. You see? And God raised you up. You experienced a breakthrough, answered your prayer, and you went on happily ever after without keeping the covenant that you made with God in the midst of the crises. Y'all hanging with me? How do we betray Christ? Number six, we betray Christ when we have so much to be thankful for, and yet we respond with ingratitude and a spirit of complaining. Remember I challenged you last week. How many of y'all were here last Sunday? Raise your hand. A whole bunch of you. And y'all remember that challenge? You didn't forget. I said, all right, from last Sunday uh, to this Sunday, which is... Let's not try to complain. We, want, we made a commitment as a church not to complain one time all week. And you should have heard those prayer testimonials during our prayer meeting Wednesday, how people were tempted to. And uh, how many of y'all were tempted to complain and you caught yourself or you did it and you had to confess and sin? How many of them? Oh, I, I did too. I said, Randall Draper, are you complaining? It is so easy to do. And you know, when God has done so much for you, you got more now than you've ever had. You go places now that you used to dream about going. You've you, you got jobs now that you know the Lord gave you. You make money, you make money now even that, that, you know, that, that was unheard of in your childhood or, or, or your parents never could make. And in spite of all that God has done for you, you just bitter and mad, and you whine and your belly ache, and you complain about this and this not right and that's not right, and why that? And you betray God. God is saying, "Do I have to give you a blessed subtraction to hush your mouth?" Since we know that betrayal is imminent in all of our lives, how do we respond to betrayal? How do we respond to it? How did you respond to your your personal betrayal in the past? Number one, or how will you respond? Somebody's being betrayed as I speak. Are you about to be betrayed by somebody whom you love in the future? Like number one, like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, we must pray our way through the crisis of betrayal. For it is through prayer. It was through prayer that It was prayer that sustained Jesus through the kangaroo court trials and the agony of the cross. Like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we must pray our way through the crisis of betrayal. For it was prayer that sustained Jesus through the kangaroo court uh, trials and agony of the cross. Matthew 26, 39, it says, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed. He prayed in the garden. He prayed in the midst of the crises. And let me tell you something. You can handle crises and issues that are unprecedented in your life if you are already praying before those issues uh, come into your life. And the reason many fall to pieces and they they lose their grip and they get paralyzed is because they didn't do like the Savior. Pray in the midst. It was prayer that helped Jesus to to be sustained amidst the accusations, the false accusations of, of, of liars that were perpetrated against him,
1: and yet he had no fault in him. As committed children of the only true and living God, we walk by faith and not by sight. Life on earth is not easy, yet even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we have joy, hope, Join us on Resurrection Sunday, April 17th at Maranatha Bible Church for our 8 a.m. worship service, children's program at 9.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. worship service as we celebrate our risen Savior. For more information, please visit us at maranathasa.org.